0: Welcome to episode 345 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a wonderful conversation with acclaimed actress Barbara Walsh. We talk with Barbara about her journey to Broadway, being a waitress, paying her dues, her roles in falsettos and hairspray and TV and film, being nominated for a Tony Award. A bump in relevance. How true artists are genuinely curious people. The importance of collaboration and how ego affects that. Kindness, humor. Her husband, Jack, Macbeth, and the importance to Society of Art and Theater. A wonderful conversation with Barbara Walsh on this week's program. We have an EW essay titled Beckett with Thoreau, and a brand new radio play written just for us by our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavese, called The Lonesome Cowboy, Episode One, performed by actor Dominic Azzarelli, and a poem called, My Dear. All of this, of course, as is always the case, will be imbued, infused, with the energy of several great tunes. Let's get to it, episode 345 of Troubadours and Racontours. With Thoreau A friend of mine writes plays. He loves show tunes too. Another friend plays the fiddle, and yet another paints houses whilst playing an orange plastic kazoo. I profess daily and regress nightly into my cave of creature need and comfort seeds planted periodically, methodically via a homeschooled sort of alchemy, hoping to find an elixir that could perpetuate just the right balance. I am indeed of the Libra alignment. This human journey, day in and day out, has me so elated on occasion, especially when the sun shines right on me. But, I must admit that most of the time it seems like it might be wise to just quit. How might one, in particular this one, function without all that is ingested to keep me anesthetized and preoccupied from all of the disregard for romantic idealism I seek and crave at a cellular level? How can one instead be open enough, free to see the beauty and mystery of human existence? Alive to feel and think beyond the base impulses, desires, fear. Oh my dear, let us see and hear each other together in this moment and be in rhythm with the heartbeat and breath of the physicality into, with, the eternal, despite the force of our perceived notion of eternity, for it is surely misconstrued and limited. As the sun shines from outer space into my crank-operated window, Samuel Beckett with Henry David Thoreau.
1: You know, quite for no reason, I'm here for the season and high as a kite! Living in era with modded Cap Farrah, which couldn't be right. Everyone's here and frightfully gay, nobody cares what people say, though the Riviera seems really much queerer than Rome at its height. On Wednesday night, I went to a marvellous party with Nunu and Nada and Nell. It was in the fresh air, and we went as we were, and we stayed as we were, which was hell. Poor Grace started singing at midnight, and she didn't stop singing till four. We knew the excitement was bound to begin when Laura got blind onto bonnet and gin and scratched her veneer with a Cartier pin, and I couldn't have liked it more. I've been to a marvelous party. We played the most wonderful game. Maureen disappeared and came back in a beard and we all had to guess at her name. Cecil arrived wearing armor, some shells and a black feather boa. Poor Millicent wore a surrealist comb with bits of mosaic from St. Peter's in Rome. But the weight was so great that she had to go home and I couldn't have liked it more. I've been to a marvelous party. We didn't sit down till 10. You know, young Bobby Carr did a stunt at the bar with a lot of extraordinary men. And then Frida arrived with a turtle, which shattered us all to the core. The Duchess passed out at a quarter to three, and suddenly Cyril cried, Fiddly-dee! Then he ripped off his trousers and jumped in the sea, and I couldn't have liked it more!
2: Hello.
0: Hello, is this Barbara Walsh? Speaking. Oh, it's so nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock On Tours.
2: Sure, happy to be here.
0: Let us get started with uh, me sharing some background information for the listeners. Okay. Ms. Walsh's Broadway credits include Falsettos, which received Tony, Drama Desk, and Drama League nominations and garnered the L.A. Ovation Award. Company, receiving Drama Desk and Drama League nominations, Hairspray, Big, Ragtime, the Chicago Company, Blood Brothers, Nine, Rock and Roll, the first 5,000 years. Her off-Broadway credits include Summer and Smoke with Transport Group and Classic Stage Company, Three Days to See, Normal with Transport Group, First Daughter Suite at the Public Theater, Regional theater credits include Master Class at the Paper Mill Playhouse, Carrie at the Studio Theater, for which she won the Helen Hayes Award for her work. Ms. Walsh's film and TV work includes Life with Mikey, Company on PBS, Law and Order, Criminal Intent, All My Children, and One Life to Live. Troubadours and Rock On Tours is happy to have on the program Barbara Walsh. Acclaimed actress, it's so nice to have you again.
2: That's so kind of you. I'm very happy to be here. And they're just two little TV things you left out, Madam Secretary and the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, just listening closely to, but everything's
0: No, those are significant (laughs) credits. I'm going to have to get on my associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavese. I'm going to throw him under the bus on that.
2: No, 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 absolutely not.
0: (laughs) No, he and I are great friends. He'll love that I'm, I'm dissing him on air. He'll love it. Uh, awesome. but uh yeah very impressive and i i want to tap into some of your experience and uh some of your insight as an artist today in the show so let, let's get sure. started with your journey okay my
2: journey uh you mean like when did i think i wanted to be in this business
0: <laughs> yeah we could start there when you're <laughs> a little girl i guess right a
2: little girl well as a as a as a a grade school girl of this is sacrament um grade school in uh maryland i uh i was very very shy all through that i was not a great student i had a little bit of add always looking out the window um terrified of the nuns you know that whole thing um and but i had my own invisible friends at home (laughs) so if I'd watch a television show, then I would create my own television show and, and speak to characters as, as I would be using my imagination to act in my own little scene in my own little story, or I would come home from school and I would pretend I was a nun handing out, you know, tests for my, um, my students. So that went on for a few years and then I would always sing, but I, again, I was shy. So it had to be when there was no one in the house. Now, mind you, I, I'm one of eight children, so there was usually someone in the house, but in the afternoon, mostly not. So I would st- sing at the top of the staircase and, you know, belt out as long as he needs me, just like Shaney uh, Wallace did and um, uh, La Mancha, Joan Diener, <laughs> you know, all the whole list of the leading ladies. And then I, I – by the time I got into high school – um, I took a class called Man and His Arts. And I was required, one of the assignments was to recite the prologue to the Canterbury Tales, which I did pretty well, as it was my first A ever. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I realized there was something to that. There was something to standing up in front of people and reciting something that, I, you know, I barely understood what it meant, but I had a knack for it. Um, and, and then I did shows at a area Catholic boys school who needed girls schools for their female roles. And, and I did, uh, shows there all through high school and glee club. And then I started smoking and I started mimicking my classmates and getting in trouble and making everybody laugh and things just kind of opened up from there as far as, you know, getting rid of the shyness. And I kind of just like flowered, shall we say. Um, that leading to college, I went to a two-year community college, uh, Montgomery College in, uh, in Maryland. And uh, I, you know, was fully engaged with music and drama departments and played, you know, Annie Sullivan and Lady Macbeth and, and wonderful roles. And, and then, then there was dinner theater, which I call my grad work. Um, where I played pretty much all leading ladies as I served drinks at intermission. You know, so as Aldonza, she gets raped and then you go serve a cocktail at intermission. What can I say? That's the dinner theater world. But I did that for about three years before heading out to the Midwest. I I knew the producer at the Marriott Lincolnshire Theater uh, where I knew I could get my... Equity cards. So I was doing some summer stock at the Wagon Wheel Playhouse in Warsaw, Indiana, of all places. And that led me to Marriott, Lincolnshire, where I could do a production of Camelot. I was in the chorus and I could get my equity cards. So that's where that took place. And that was in, uh, what was that, 79? 79. And then by 1980, I moved to New York knowing that eventually. I would end up there. So I was 25 and, uh, and that's sort of the journey from being shy to not being shy anymore. Although there are times when I'm still shy. So thankfully I still am a human being.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's important.
2: Uh, Right. Um, So that's, that's sort of the, the kickoff to New York. And New York was utterly thrilling and terrifying all in one minute. Um, it, was, uh, it was it was taking a lot of cabs until I had the guts and the, the nerve to take the subway. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a lot of support here, people who had moved here uh, prior to my moving here. So, so that was really helpful. But it was honestly about going to cattle calls, which I did for... A long time, pretty much, because I, let's see, my first Broadway show was rock and roll, so that was in 82. Uh, My first main job, however, big job, was the national tour of Oklahoma, so that was in, that was just like two months after I, I moved here, so I was on the road in 81 for about 10 months. And that was illuminating in every way as I was in the rehearsal room with Agnes DeMille Mm. and I watched how tough she was as she, she kicked, she took someone's solo away from them, their dance solo. And, and then I had the great fortune of, of watching the dream ballet, that choreography every night in the wings and also doing little triplets across the stage back and forth uh, during the numbers. So, you know, and I understudied Lori in that production and Dato Annie. And um, no, th- I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I, I would have wanted to take over, and I thought that I should, but um, I honestly only made it up on the rung of Oklahoma National Tour in 1981 to be Gertie Cummings' understudy. So it, it, it didn't go well.
3: <laughs> but it was uh, experience. As
2: far as, Oh, and it was magnificent experience, but I, I since I'd been doing leading roles a lot in the last few years, all of a sudden I'm in the chorus, what? You know, I psychologically couldn't handle it, um, but I, I got used to it, and I had a marvelous time and made some great friends along the way. Um, I'm very happy for that, and then I came back here, and I went to, uh, you know, cattle calls again, auditioning with eight bars of music and whatever, and my uh, waitressing job, and uh, regional theater here and there. And then uh, there was a lot of back and forth in those first four or five years. And then I booked uh, Forbidden Broadway. And that was significant because uh, I, uh, in, 19, in 1987, because I went in and out of that show. I'd like go out of town and come back and go back in that show. In 1987, at Gerard Alessandrini had written a new show uh, for 1987, the 1987-88 season, and I opened that. Uh, he wrote a Barbra Streisand bit for me. Oh,
3: wow! As
2: I, I, I tend to do impressions, and always have. I think that was discovered in high school, and then I carried it through into. You know, a little bit of my work in new york, not not a lot, but uh, in in a club act that I have years and years ago, et cetera. so i he wrote the that for me. And with that, which is really wonderful, is that i I uh, you now you know what? it was eighty six. It was the eighty six, eighty seven season, just to be clear. And um I got an article in The New York Times. The Friday column is what it was called. And Anne Eden Nimi wrote that column at the time, and with that article that uh, on me was a was a Hirschfeld. So I have an original Hirschfeld of me.
3: Wow!
2: (laughs) Which is kind of amazing. It took three years to pay for it, but um, (laughs) uh, you know. and, And I and I remember, you know, I remember being asked. One of the last lines of the article is like something to the effect of. Well, do you consider yourself lucky? And I said, listen, I can I can pay for toilet paper. So if, if you can if you can pay for toilet paper, you're lucky. So I'm lucky. And my aunt, who's no longer with us, died many many years ago. She was horrified by that. She thought <laughs> it was uh, so gross, so just uh, improper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anyway, I don't I don't know what I was doing. I was just answering the question. But so. So then, so around, yeah, so with Forbidden Broadway, while I, was, while I was working at a Middle Eastern restaurant that I, again, I went back and forth to that job uh, on the Upper West Side, which there's a hundred stories in that, but I won't share them with you too much time. Um, uh, I, I, I was working with another waiter who worked in uh, an agency office. And she came to see me in Forbidden Broadway um, a little bit later, and she asked my uh, she, she asked other agents to come see me in it. And with that, you know, I, I was signed uh, with a big office for a very long time, actually. And um, and so that was like a kickoff, you know that was a, that was a big deal. Um, and, um, you know, nine, I did nine on Broadway, and, uh, yeah, there was the, the tour of Les Mis, that was in '89. That was significant. Uh, my dog barking at nothing. Um, for, I was on that for almost a year. Uh, lost my mother Well, I was in Chicago, but anyway, um, um, what a set of experiences! Significant-
0: and this oh, is only the, this is where now where are we at now? The late eighties?
2: We're we, we're in eighty nine right now. Yeah. I'm just sort of in sequence. I don't think I've left anything major out. Yeah, eighty nine mm-hmm. uh, was the Les Mis, and then I did some regional work. I did you know I did an off Broadway musical in eighty seven with Mary Beth Peel, Birds of Paradise. Um, that, um, oh my God, I can't remember his name. Please don't, please don't keep this that I can't remember. David Evans, David Evans wrote the music <laughs> and, um, and, um, what's her name? Forget it. <laughs> don't even mention the writers, but I just did the bird's Bert, paradise. at the promenade theater with Mary Beth Thiel, who I'm now working with and have not worked with since we did that show off Broadway, but we've been friends uh, for a long, long time. Um, so you're, you're so, so, you're
0: so, I mean, I'm overwhelmed by these experiences.
2: I'm just old. I'm, I'm a hundred years old. So You see what
0: happens. Well, (laughs) I mean, through all of this, has there been, uh, have there been times when you're ever questioning whether it, it was something you should continue?
2: Oh my God. So many times I can't even begin to tell you. Um, I would often question it. In the first part, I would say in the for my first few years of living in New York, be, like long before you know falsettos, um, even like with Forbidden Broadway, as I would say that was an, a significant peak. Where after that, and my and getting signed to an agency, then I was seen for TV, and you know there, there was, it was kind of a, a a bump there in in my whatever you'd call it relevance, shall we say, and. Um, uh, I I I really really struggled with the city and the business and but I but I just figured I was paying my dues. I kept thinking, it's okay, it'll all work out. Something will come up, you know. It, you're paying your dues, but and I was very close to my family and I so I'd go home a lot. I'd take that Amtrak train that used to be you know you used to be able to afford it can't anymore. But and my dad would pick me up at the train station, and you know, and that was a huge comfort for me. I'm lucky enough to have a strong family background, and um, that that made a huge difference in those first few years. As I developed and I I garnered, you know, some respect for uh, and visibility. Um, with falsetto significantly, you know, things changed with Tony nomination uh, as far as people knowing who I am and all those things. And then, um, and, and then I, you know, I worked more, um, which was great. And then when I met my husband um, in 95, And then we got married and moved into this apartment. I mean, everything, you know, solidified even further uh, when I met Jack, um, you know, that he is a director. He has built his own theater company. You know, we are two theater beasts. I don't know how we're able to even do it in this city. But we've both been very, very fortunate and we've we've had, you know, rough times with we're going to lose the apartment. We've had that situation. We've had uh, health issues. You know, I've been through something and, and, and so it's very, it's just like life. It's just if you, I mean, I honestly don't have any other skills. I really don't. But the business of show is a big umbrella for acting, singing, um, you know, comedy, you know, there's a, I, I fancy myself a pretty versatile actor um and lucky that I'm able to sing I, and I I think I still got it. <laughs> with well,
0: uh, well, well, with this varied career you know uh, being on stage being uh on on film on TV is there one genre you prefer to the other is it difficult to switch well, from one to the other
2: Well I haven't done that much TV and honestly, just one film, and that was that was when I was doing uh, Falsettos in ninety two, ninety three. I think we did that film. Um, the television there was there was a lot of Law and Order, uh, like in the early two thousands of to oh uh, seven, um, and then when those shows closed down, you know, um, and after Company really. So Company was in oh seven, and after that. I did some just extraordinary roles all over the country. So I kind of, I I don't know. It's, it's not like, uh, you know, I feel like TV is such a crapshoot. Um, and I've never had enough under my belt to really feel like that medium is something that, you know, feels right for me or really good, not even close to what what theater feels like and the fact is that i've spoken to a friend of mine who has done tons of tv and she's like even if you're you've been on something for years and years and years you're still not going to feel the way you do when you're on stage
0: and what it's is just that not the way what is that what? well
2: i just think i for for me there's a there's a a, a feeling of groundedness of freedom of flight sometimes of rightness of just I'm I'm in the right place. I'm I'm in the right profession. I am I know what I'm doing. And with a different medium, it's just a matter of getting used to those things technically. You don't have a process. You stand on a mark and you say your lines. So whatever work you do, you do your own work. I mean, you'll get notes along the way perhaps. And uh you know when i did a the soap opera i did a recurring role on one life to live for a couple of years you know that was really useful because i learned what a recurring situation is a one day guest spot is somewhat terrifying because no one knows you and uh, um uh it's just you, you it's just in and out and you 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 hope you make the make it <laughs> but um
0: when you what get else? when when you get when you get into uh, all of this sort of work for years and years, and and then you go out into a different world. I mean, it seems to me you're you're steeped in the world of theater and the world of arts. Do you do you find that artists are a certain a particular, let's say, sort of people?
2: Well, uh, I think that. A true artist is 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 a genuinely curious person. Uh, ask questions. Asks questions. Um, is someone with a vivid imagination. Is someone who can let go of um, you know can can suspend time. Um, can can collaborate beautifully. Um, doesn't ha- let the ego interfere with process. I, I mean, that's in a perfect world, and there's not really a perfect world. But when those – and I would say in the, in the moment right now in, in the production John Doyle's Macbeth that we're doing down at CSC right now, it pertains to that very thing where I really feel like I am in a, a situation and I felt the same way last year when I did Summer and Smoke that my husband directed at CSC, um, that I'm in, I'm in a room of, of wonderful collaborators who are generous, and they are for the betterment of the whole, uh, not themselves. And they are kind and they are funny and just wonderful artists. And, I mean, I really believe that's that directly starts with a director. And my husband, Jack, and John Doyle, you know, I, when I met John in Cincinnati in '06, and we worked on company out there prior to move, uh, moving on Broadway the, uh, or later in the year, you know, I kept telling him I can't wait for you to meet my husband because you have a similar aesthetic. They're very different men, but they, they're they is crossover in in their uh, in their process and their aesthetics really. Um or their aesthetic. Um, and so it's uh it's a pleasure to work with them. Um, I mean it's beyond a pleasure because you know that there you you will probably have an, an artistic experience, um, which sometimes doesn't mean it'll be a financial experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but that's okay, you know.
0: And is that soulful? Is that you know? It, it, it stimulates and, and uh, uh, nurtures your 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 mind, your soul. Is that what the artistic experience is for you? Something of that nature? I,
2: I think I think it is. I think it, I think it can be, you know. Is it always? No, not necessarily. But you know, there's always there's. It, 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 I think to get to that point that you're talking about, you have to be completely open. You have to be completely open to changing something you know getting rid of the prop or change your blocking or do something different vocally or move to a different position I mean you just have to be completely open so that you can get the perfect moment and it's it's actually working in a non-result oriented way you are are the process of of getting to that beautiful place and you don't sit and talk about it (laughs) Like we're talking about it now. you know it's just something where uh, the artists together uh, collaborate to on the same page. Uh, it might be in different ways because we're all different people, but they uh, that we we that's how we find our our jewel of a of a, of a production, which hopefully we can.
0: and And I suppose being that open um means being uh, uh, very trusting.
2: Yes, and that again is that trust will be provided by the director who has uh an environment in the rehearsal studio or the theater or wherever you are of a very safe environment where you can fall down and you can cry and you can rant and you can I mean you have to behave like a you know a proper adult but um you, you you can make mistakes. You can screw up, and it's not the end of the world. You know, John talks often about Americans are so determined and so rehearsed, and so, and the Brits are much more loose about. I mean, their work is their work ethic is extraordinary, but they, they have much more of a looseness about, about getting there. And I think he's really right about that. And I often feel that and struggle with that john can i talk about john for a second
0: sure john we're talking about john john doyle doyle yes right now you're you're yeah. working with him yes
2: yeah well he directed Macbeth. that um that he uh, he put up i don't know i i i came into that production like at the last minute i don't know if you're aware of that but yes. someone left and i had i came into their rehearsal three weeks into rehearsal. And ten days before the first audience, and I've never done a Shakespeare production.
0: Mm. Wow!
2: <laughs> and did not did not know Macbeth very well, which I'm embarrassed to say. But thankfully, I've been taking a, a randomly a friend of mine has a Shakespeare class that he talked me into taking two years ago. So thank God for that. <laughs> um, but one of the reasons I think I I got through that frightening experience was because of John because of his uh his mode of working is is very chill it's very relaxed there is no the only burden i mean yes everyone knew i was in a stressful situation and i had to you know wanted to to get up to the high bar that was already established in their <laughs> rehearsal process um uh, but but I was only could only have done that in in an environment set by someone like John or or my husband who where you are you are safe in this room, you are not going to be judged. We are going to find this together. You know that's 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 the best.
0: Oh, it sounds wonderful! Right. I wish the more of the, you know the larger world would be able to operate in that manner, and we'd be better off. Oh,
2: wouldn't that be something on the lar- <laughs> on the larger picture? It would.
0: Uh, well, that that yeah, leads me to my truly. next, I guess, my next question. I, uh, we are, and we're almost out of time. We're talking to acclaimed actress Barbara Walsh, stage uh, predominantly actress, and it's a pleasure having you here on Troubadours and Rock tours. I, I wa- I'm wondering uh, what what sort of importance do you think art in general, theater in particular, has in in society?
2: I think it's the only thing that will save us, and I'm not kidding about that. I think that we are storytellers, whether we are painting, whether we are sculpting, whether we are writing, whether we are singing or acting or dancing, we are telling a story. And the beautiful thing about the art form of theater or any of the arts that I'm talking about, they involve stories of all different kinds of people that exist. And so th- so there's this uh, In my mind, uh, free of discrimination in the in the artful process. Um, I mean, yes, there's uh, freedom of speech, et cetera, et cetera, and that can can also be a part of of what I'm talking about, but or maybe against what I'm talking about, but but I don't mean it to be. I just feel like it's an opportunity to reach people to communicate. If I'm in a, doing a role and someone uh, people still stop me for falsettos, that changed my life, you know. And blah blah blah. And it's like if I can make someone think differently or cry or laugh, you know, I've done something very very small. But I really really believe that the arts we need they need to be cherished and supported and. Um, and and seen um and experienced on on every level at every age, because I just think we learn from them we We learn uh, from old paintings certainly from old theater i mean if you look at Macbeth, we can look at Macbeth through the eyes of what's happening in our world today. It's unbel- i have a line a thriftless ambition that will raven up thine own life's means. Which is an extraordinary line about ambition taking over, and uh, uh, it, it's it's incredible when I think of Shakespeare writing that <laughs> so many hundreds of years ago, and here we are. I mean, that's amazing. Here's something about humanity that he he had an, an eye into that is that is so key and uh, long long lasting, shall we say?
0: Barbara Walsh, I think that's. That's uh, where we'll pause our conversation. Hopefully we get to talk again. Uh, what, a, what a beautiful conversation. Uh, it was a joy for me to talk with you. Oh, I'm
2: so glad.
0: And I'm wondering, uh, where can the folks catch you next?
2: Catch me next? No idea. <laughs> you know, these things come and go, and I have, I have nothing ahead of me, but I'm sure something will come up. Uh that, uh, thankfully, has, has always been something that has happened for me. So I'm very fortunate.
0: No doubt about that. Well, enjoy the, the downtime and have, one, have some wonderful holidays with your husband and, and the rest of your family and friends.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Take care of yourself.
2: You too. Thanks so much for calling. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.
1: When the storm clouds are riding through a winter sky Once more When you can't bear the gas. I saw them in the den with Marvin grabbing Wizard's ass. Oh sure, I'm sure, he's sure he did his best. I mean he tried to be what he was not. The things he was are things which I forgot. He's a queen, I'm a queen. Where is our crown? I'm breaking down. I'm breaking down my life's a pity and my kid seems like an idiot to me i mean that's sick i mean he's great it's me who is the matter talking matter than the maddest tatter if i repeat one more word i swear i'll lose my brain what else should i explain oh yes it's true i can cry on cue but so can you i'm breaking down Ask me is it fun to cry over nothing it is i'm breaking down i want to hate his lover but i can't it's like a nightmare how this all proceeds i hope that wizard don't fulfill his needs don't just wrong sing along what was the noun i'm breaking down i'm breaking down i'll soon redecorate these stores. But it's not like I'm some healthy person. Marvin was never mine. He took his meetings in the boys' latrine. I used to cry. He'd make a scene. I'd rather die than dry clean. Marvin's wedding gown, I'm breaking down. I'm breaking down. It's so upsetting when I found that what's rectangular is round. I mean, it stinks. I mean, he's queer. Who needs it? Maybe every other week. (laughs) I've rethought the fun we had, and one fact does emerge.
3: Lonesome Cowboy, Episode 1, performed by Dominic Azzarelli, recorded at the Old Brick Theater in Scranton, Pennsylvania, courtesy of Diva Productions.
4: I am the Lonesome Cowboy. I ride the lonely trails of the West. I sit by lonely campfires. I watch the lonely sun rise and the lonely sun set. And I gaze at the lonely moon, sometimes sitting at the lonely campfire I play a sad song of loneliness on my harmonica. Oh, I always wasn't a lonesome cowboy. I had my pals on the trail, and we'd raz each other mercilessly about our foibles, and we'd sing cowboy songs, and we'd tearfully say goodbye as one cowboy after another left our hard profession for the comforts of a wife and family. Some became farmers, some clerks or barbers or saloon keepers, And a few even doctors and lawyers. And, though it pains me to say, politicians. But I remain a cowboy. So my pals are gone. And my dog Petey, that little rascal, he's gone too. And B, she's gone. Beatrice Francine Flambeau. One sunny spring day, me and Petey were coming off the trail, parched and dusty and worn out, "'And as we rode by the schoolhouse at the edge of town, "'I heard the children singing an old hymn "'that I remembered from my own brief school days. "'And leading the children in song was the teacher, "'and she had the voice of an angel. "'Petey, being Petey, ran through the open door of the schoolhouse. "'I quickly dismounted and ran after him. "'There was Petey in his doggy glory surrounded by children.' Petey was beloved by all, so his reception was no surprise. Standing above the children was the angel herself, Beatrice Flambeau. Our eyes met, and I was sunk. There I was, unshaven, fresh, or rather unfresh off the trail, probably smelling like a hog in high summer, and there was Bee, a vision in her white gingham dress. The faintest whiff of her perfume, with notes of citrus, wafting over my lucky nose, broken long ago in a dust-up with an ornery fella who tried to cheat me out of my share of jerky. There and then I forgave that fella and everyone else in the West, for I was in love. B smiled, and I smiled, and that was it. The next day we went on a picnic on the hills outside of town. She cooked fried chicken and corn fritters and biscuits for me and she ate some concoction of nuts and berries. The poor girl had grievous food allergies, and the merest of gluten would set her uh, to bloating something awful. We sipped elderberry wine, not the rotgut I was accustomed to on the trail and in rowdy dance halls, and she named the wildflowers for me. We picked flowers, and she made me a sort of crown for my dusty old head. Petey was embarrassed for me, but said nothing. He was as enamored of B as I was. We told each other of our lives and laughed at the foolishness of the world. She took a little book from her basket, and she read poems to me. Poems to me, who appreciated a dirty limic as much as the next cowpoke. But who wouldn't know John Keats from the town drunk? And there I was, reciting Ode to Grecian Urn, along with B. More happy love, more happy, happy love, forever warm and still to be enjoyed, forever panting and forever young. We spent many a day together that spring. Then the time came for me to go back on the trail. B wanted me to take a correspondence school course in business management and settle down in town. But I'm a cowboy and I must roam the land and think long thoughts beneath the stars. I left. Tears were shed by me, by Bee, and even Petey, who pretended there was dust in his eyes. B was smart and funny and beautiful and winsome and wise, and she loved me and I loved her. And now I am a lonesome cowboy.
5: Some will He sounds too blue to fly The midnight train Is whining low I'm so lonesome I could cry I've never seen A night so long When time goes crawling by The moon just went behind the clouds To hide its face and cry Like me, he's lost the no will to live I'm so lonesome I could cry The silence of a falling star lights up a purple sky And as I wonder where you are, I'm so long
0: My dear, I am so suppressed, oppressed, and repressed, I am unsure of how I am dressed, curtailed, derailed, and yet, to this point, have prevailed as one that is still here, my dear.
6: I got a new thing, not like the last one, this is an upgrade minor, that kind of really blows my mind, back in the fast lane, to get up and
0: Episode 345 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, acclaimed actress Barbara Walsh, our associate producer Dr. Michael Pavese, actor Dominic Azzarelli, and these musical guests... Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Elvis Castello and the Attractions, Barbara Walsh, Hank Williams, Bonnie Raitt, Brantford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, let's give it a go and try to enjoy this one.